When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, Senior Reporter at Hort Week, and this week I'm joined by Chief Executive of Trees for Cities, Kate Sheldon. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kate. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's lovely to meet you, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely to meet you as well. We've been reporting on Trees for Cities for a while, but it's great to kind of have you here today so I can kind of learn a bit more about what you guys are up to. Um, And you've been at the charity for nearly 20 years, is it? It's nearly, it's, I'm in my 19th year. Yes, okay, yeah, so... I can remember because it's the same age as my son virtually. So oh. um, yeah. <laughs> Lovely, that's yep. nice and handy, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. So I've been at the charity for since 2004. Um, you've recently become... Chief exec, yes. Yes. Only for two months. So I started as chief executive in February. And that must have been such an incredible opportunity because you're clearly so passionate and you have such a commitment to the charity. So amazing that you can can take on that role. Absolutely, yeah. It's a real honour. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a fantastic charity and it's changed so much in the time that I've been I've been working with Trees for Cities. So. Oh really? What's one of the biggest changes? Well it's it's a much bigger charity now for starters. Mm. So when I when I first started um we have a, an office in Kennington Park in South London and it's it's a, a lodge, a park lodge. Um and it's it's an interesting building. It was built for the Great Exhibition uh, in 1851 oh, okay. as a model for social housing. Um, so right. it, and then it was moved to Kennington Park. Um, and so it's a strange building where you, you can't access up and down stairs internally. You have to go outside um, to go upstairs. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was the first member of staff to be put downstairs. So I was, I was on my own downstairs for years. <laughs> <laughs> People didn't know who I was, but I just quietly got on, got on with my job. Um, and then eventually I was allowed to move upstairs. <laughs> nice, nice. 
<laughs> oh, fantastic. So before we delve into kind of the work that you guys are getting on with at the moment, I just wanted to kind of get my ducks in the rows, so to speak, um, in terms of how the charity operates. Because I know there are a few different ways in which a city or school could see a tree or trees planted by you guys. So street trees, for example, I believe that works by someone sponsoring a tree. But correct me if I'm wrong. And, and how how about the other work that you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So, so in essence, all of the projects that we undertake um, are about community engagement really that is Mm -hmm. that's what it boils down to so how we operate is that we engage people to plant trees and to care for trees um whether it's in a school or housing estate um or in a park um with street trees it's slightly different for obvious sort of health and safety reasons um and that we tend to well we need to plant street trees using contractors um, so it's not okay, safe yeah. to have people volunteering you know planting trees in the streets um, and it's also a much more it's a, it's a different process as well there's lots more engineering and and um you know infrastructure involved and so that's one reason that we started a new trees for streets um online fundraising platform so yes absolutely people can sponsor trees uh in their local on their street or in their local neighborhood um and that's a way for them to then get involved in in street tree planting as well and and then we can still engage people in helping to look after those street trees but it's just the actual planting of trees in streets tends to be more technical and 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 need a professional to be involved and are you having a say on what trees are planted in those streets yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would always work with the local authority um, or the landowner in any case. So whether it's a, a school or a housing estate, we would always talk to the landowner um, and the local council about what trees are most suitable for their for their area. Um, and that can depend on the local climate or the soil um, or the type of space that you're planting into in the local community. So we would always consult um and obviously we've got people on our team as well who are very knowledgeable yeah um who are who are able to recommend certain trees and so we would we we would engage the community on that as well um and talk to local people about the types of trees that they would like to see Mm. but we would do that in a structured way so that we're not presenting a blank canvas if you like you know we, we we can let people know what what sort of trees would uh, established and would thrive in in their local area, um, and then and then talk to them about what they want from their tree, because trees provide so many different services. Um, you know, they might be planted to to produce fruit or or or, or timber or provide shade or mm. help with flood mitigation. So all, all these different parameters help us in in our selection. So it's quite a complex uh, process, but it's 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 a really interesting one. Yeah. And are you picking those cheap trees with climate change in mind as well and future proofing these spaces? Yes, absolutely. So I think that so diversity of trees is is crucial and not just tree species, but also looking at different cultivars, um, structural diversity as well. So you, we need to be planting a, a, a different range of trees. And yes, we absolutely need to be thinking about the climate of the future um so that's that's very much part of that decision making process yeah brilliant brilliant and just to confirm so those schools and parks for example that are are getting those trees do they apply and then you guys kind of pick and choose which projects you think are really 
going to do well or how does it work there? Yeah, it's quite a fluid process, really. Um, I mean, so we are a charity, um, so we need to raise funding Mm. um, for any any projects that we undertake. So it can flow both ways, really. Sometimes uh, a community group or um, a local authority will come to us and suggest a project and be looking for funding. Um, and then we can take that to to, to funding partners. Um, and sometimes it happens the other way around. So we might have some funding um, and it may or may not be restricted to a certain area or a certain type of project. And then again, we can then take that out to, to the, you know, the relevant partners um, to, to develop the project. So we're quite flexible. We're quite fluid in how we work like that. Yeah. Um, we, we obviously have parameters in place. We want to be targeting places where trees are most needed. So we, we, we look for certain um metrics like existing tree canopy cover we tend to plant where obviously there's low or medium tree canopy cover so less than 20 percent tree canopy cover is where we target and prioritize where we work um but we also look for places where um people might be facing barriers to engaging with nature and then we can help to overcome those barriers and by by planting trees or you know giving almost giving them permission and empowering Mm. them to be able to get involved in that process is a really powerful way of of engaging people with nature yeah absolutely absolutely and then they're they're more likely to kind of take care of those spaces in the future aren't they yes Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that, that is, you know, proven. I mean, we, we, we do go back and, and look at the trees that we've planted um, and ensure that they are thriving, yeah. not just surviving, but thriving. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we do really well in that respect. And, and it's, it's, it's so, um, it's just so wonderful to, to see when people have really connected with their local environment. And I mean, I've been to planting days on on housing estates, um, for example, where neighbours have come out and they haven't actually spoken to each other before because it just feels it would feel weird to go around to someone's house and just kind of say, oh, hi. But actually, if you know, if they're out in, in their little green space outside and they're planting trees together, you get chatting. And, and yeah. that's where you start to get some amazing social connections happening between people. And it takes the pressure away of, of you know, talking and, and going to meet somebody. Um, because if you're just working alongside each other, you start to chat and, and, and you know, thing, things happen. It's really exciting to see. So I wanted to talk to you about your new campaign as well, which is called Trees Breathe New Life. So what is this campaign about and and what are its ambitions? So we've launched this campaign on the back of a project called uh, Forgotten Places. Um, And the idea of that project was to, like like I mentioned earlier, it's about targeting where we're working in places that have low canopy cover um, and have uh, also faced social and economic issues. So there might okay. be, you know, lack of jobs, lack of opportunities um, and where people are struggling. And in those sorts of places, often trees are seen as a nice to have mm. um, and, and not part of the solution. And, and what, what we were doing is, is really helping to engage people in their local environment by, by tree planting, but also by training um, and providing, um, you know, upskilling people and showing them that actually 
you can actually, you can actually get a job in the green sector. You know, these things do exist. And, and really helping to kind of open people's eyes to the opportunities and show how trees can help. Um, they can be you know, a really important part of the solution to revitalising places that have been a bit left behind. So that's yeah. where the forgotten places term came. came. And um, this particular project, we, we found that the need we identified was particularly strong in coastal areas. Um, and these are often places where um, younger people have, have left. They often, you know, sort of drawn into London and the bigger cities mm. to find work. Um, and, and some of these, these coastal areas are, are, are left behind and there, there aren't many opportunities for people. So what we wanted to do was try and reverse that um, and show that trees can actually help to provide jobs. They can actually help with people's mental health um, and well-being, and they can also be part of the solution towards you know some of these horrific issues that we're facing: climate change, biodiversity crises. You know, some really important things that people are really worried about. Yeah. So trees breathe life. That the idea is just showing that trees can actually be part of the solution. Um, and it's not just about you know planting a tree here and there, but it's about that it's that sort of ripple effect of of how you know planting trees can then lead on to creating more opportunities for people. So the campaign itself is is really targeting um, it's, it's three audiences really. It's targeting local authorities to help us to find land to plant trees. Yeah. Um, it's targeting funders because we can't do anything without funding behind us. <laughs> um, and it's targeting communities as well, just to just to say, you know, this exists. We're, we're keen to do more. We've had a really successful 18 month project and we'd love to do more, um, mm. you know, and encouraging people to let us know if that is of interest for them in their local area. Amazing. And I, I probably talk about this every single podcast, but the skills gap is a real, real problem, yeah. a real issue across the sector. So I'm interested to find out how much success you've had kind of promoting, you know, trees as creating jobs. Has there been much interest? Yes, absolutely. There, there is so much interest. So so Trees for Cities, I, I would say that our main role in this is, is at the kind of starting point. It's getting people inspired, yeah. getting them curious about the natural world, um, engaging them and then involving them in, in the work that we do. So it's very much at that more informal early stage of just saying, hey, you know, this is possible. You, you could actually make a career out of this. Um, it's fun and mm. it's it's good for you um, and there are lots and lots of reasons to do it so so we do a lot of work with schools um, and and with younger people who are maybe have just left school and, and are thinking about what career they might be interested to take on so that's really our sort of niche area if you like is is that initial um engagement and some of the the evaluation we've done shows that 70% of the people who came to our planting events had never planted a tree before. Oh, wow. So that was really strong and really powerful for me to show that we are we're doing really well in this and in, in actually hooking people in showing you know getting them getting them engaged yeah um but the next step then is is kind of moving them along that pathway to say well you know signposting them to other organizations um where you know there are plenty of people out there who offer more formal training and, and can help them to progress along that pathway 
Um, and so that's that's something that I'm keen to do much much more of as well. Um, and then one particular aspect that I was really proud of was working with uh, our partner Rewilding Youth in, in Hull, who did an incredible job of engaging some kickstart trainees um, who who had faced quite difficult personal circumstances. Mm. Um, they were out of work. Um, and they took part in this scheme and, um, and and were really a fantastic group of young people who got involved in the project um, and helped to engage the, the local community. Um, and the project's now come to an end, unfortunately, but, but some of those trainees have since gone on to secure jobs with the local brilliant. authority, which is just such a brilliant story. Yeah. It's such a brilliant, you know, it, it made, when, when they were telling us about it, well, our eyes were welling up. We were so Aww. proud of these young people. They've done so well. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. And that's what we're all about, really. Yeah, real success story. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing a lot of stories hitting the headlines recently. I'm sure you've seen them too about councils felling trees despite just an enormous outrage from the local community. What are your thoughts about this? And what I guess what would your suggestion be to the, those councils? What are the alternative choices? Yeah, um, it, yes, it's very it's very upsetting to see some of these um, stories. I, I mean, I don't know the details of, of some of the, the local, you know, the, re- the recent stories that have come out. I'm, we're not directly yeah. involved in it, but I, I am, yes, I, I am appalled, really, to see that the, the news that's come out recently. Um, there are very few design schemes that can't be worked around existing trees. Um, I think there's 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 certainly... Re- huge room for improvement i don't think you can use that as an excuse use use a design scheme as an excuse really for felling so many mature trees it's it's you can't replace like for like you can't fell mature trees and and plant new ones i mean they just no, they just that's not the reason for planting new trees and that's never something that we would want to be involved in mature trees i mean trees provide so many services not only are they gorgeous and beautiful to look at I'm staring at one now as I'm ranting (laughs) Um, but they they provide so many services and they cool the air and clean the air and and sequester carbon and provide shade and you know help mitigate flooding you know it's a huge list but they only really start to do that when they're mature Mm. and so by felling mature trees and and then and then saying that you're going to plant new ones just isn't good enough it really isn't so I think there's so many local authorities do such fantastic work yes Um, absolutely and and I think when you see an example like that it, it just undermines the um the sector and it's 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 distressing to see it well put <laughs> um so the charity itself you've planted over 1.5 million trees correct in towns and cities over the years yes 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 well researched yeah. yes that's right <laughs> got my facts straight here yeah what would you say <laughs> are some of the biggest or most common challenges to planting trees in cities i guess you kind of touched on earlier that those street trees are probably the most challenging ones to plant yeah, they're, they're challenging to plant operationally, I suppose, in terms of, you know, finding spaces. To, I think finding land generally is probably our biggest challenge, it's fair to say. Um, in an urban yeah. environment, you know, you know, land is at a premium and, and you, you're you competing against um, room for development. Um, so that, that probably is our biggest limiting factor, in all honesty. 
Um, having said that, you know, there, there are plenty of, you know, spaces out there. There are plenty of, of, of small, unused mm. spaces where you can plant trees. So, you know, these kind of pocket woodlands or, or you know, just even just single trees planted into kind of small, you know, triangles of land. There, there, there are opportunities out there, but it's, it's not always easy to find them. And um, even at face value, if you, if you see a site that looks like it has potential, sometimes there are underground services. So, you know, that, that is probably the biggest challenge. Um, and, and then, you know, with street trees, particularly then, then cost, yeah. you know, it is quite, it is expensive. Um, relatively speaking, when you're comparing it to planting a, a small sapling, then they're obviously more expensive. Having said that, they're well worth it. I mean, mm. the, 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 the level of the values you get back from planting a, a street tree are, are enormous. So it's a small price to pay, really, for the level of value that you get back. Um, and I would say as well, I suppose another barrier is is uh, local authority capacity. Sometimes they don't always have yeah. the capacity um, to be, well, to be managing the trees they've currently got sometimes, let alone planting new trees. So sometimes, you know, that can lead to some cultural barriers or, you know, capacity barriers um, to, to planting. Um, but as I say, I mean, we have a really strong network of, of local authority partners around the country who, who do fantastic work so where there's a will <laughs> there's certainly a way yes there's a way absolutely. yeah it's kind of bringing us back to that skill shortage though isn't it that we really need more yes. people coming into this industry Throughout. and helping absolutely helping in that way. absolutely and, and in terms of you know forestry and arboriculture um as well as horticulture you know th- throughout really we, we do the different levels and not just people out there planting the trees but people of getting involved in other aspects of, of of the work you know I've I've come through development so project development and program development and, and we need fundraisers we need people who are good at the, the marketing and the communications and all the aspects that are that are needed yeah. um, to ensure that we're planting and looking after our trees we, we 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 term it plant protect promote in our strategy and and I think they you know that does help to sum up what's needed um to, to ensure that a tree, you know, yes, we plant the trees, but also to ensuring that they survive and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. And coming back to that point on finding land, because obviously the government has these huge ambitious target targets around tree planting. And I'm wondering how, how viable you believe that is and, and what's your experience of engaging local authorities and landowners in, in kind of taking part in that tree planting? Yeah, it, it's a challenge, but I think we need to look at how we use our land. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're much more focused, well, we're entirely focused on urban planting. So there are challenges within urban, uh, the urban context. But obviously, at, at national scale, um, you know, the government is also looking at land use for in terms of agriculture and, and other land uses and, and ensuring that we're using those the, the land as, as well as we can. Um, you know, we, we can't be planting trees everywhere. Obviously, there are other habitats that are incredibly important in you know, peatlands and grasslands and so on. And, and so there are different yeah. habitats that equally need to be protected and expanded. Um, but I think, you know, the government is, is obviously looking at this closely and, and, you know, but the urban context is is where we are, have more expertise and more knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of moving to the other side of that, I suppose, have you have you struggled to source trees? Where do you source from? Has that been an issue at all? Has that been OK? 
It has. It has. It's certainly an area of concern for the sector. Okay. Um, we haven't personally had significant struggles yet, but there have been a few projects where partners have had to postpone planting because they haven't been able to source the species or the size of trees that they need. Um, so there, there certainly are, you know, there, there are concerns. Um, and not only with, with sourcing the right trees, but also ensuring that they're obviously free of pests and disease. Um, yeah. And climate change is obviously exacerbating some of those issues. So that's certainly an area of, of, of risk for the sector um, that, mm. that the nursery, the tree nursery sector is, is looking at very closely and the government. Yeah, absolutely. And is there, are you finding that there's a particular tree that's used most commonly or is it really case by case? I mean, we would say case by case. Um mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as as I mentioned before, so I think the di- diversity of, of of species is is really important. We also need to be mindful of pests and disease again, and not be planting um, the same species or cultivars as as ones that are affected by tree pests and disease. So I think diversity is absolutely the key. Yeah, absolutely. Another arm or branch, if you will, of Trees for Cities, that's terrible, terrible, terrible plan, I'm so sorry, Um, is working with businesses that need to offset their carbon, as we've kind of talked about land use. How successful has that been in engaging businesses? Yes, I mean, we we have operated a a fairly small um, carbon offset scheme for a few years, uh, which we're we're looking at at the moment. because obviously, for, for the, the the main carbon offset schemes aren't suitable in the urban context again because of the scale and, and just for, for for lots of reasons. Um, so it's something that we're looking at very closely. Um, and you know, personally, I feel that I would be I'm more interested in starting to kind of change the narrative a little bit. Um, with planting in 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 the urban environment, more thinking about nature based solutions for cities. Um, okay. You know, yeah. in, in cities, I think climate change is the, the, some of the biggest risks in cities is around heat and flooding. Yeah. Um, and I feel that actually, as an urban tree planting charity, we can have more impact in planting for 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 those uh, risks. And for the social value of what we do, uh, rather than the carbon. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we are looking at at the moment. Okay. So maybe a potential focus for the, for the future, because obviously biodiversity net gain is coming in. I know this yeah, isn't a hundred percent your your area, but those arguments are being had, aren't they, around offsetting or or providing those yeah. on site and and all sorts and what what can be done in an urban setting. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and and again, it does feel like sort of biodiversity net gain is is arguably less applicable in the urban environment. So mm. I think it's probably for for larger scale kind of you know restoration landscape scale restoration projects. It's 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 possibly more applicable, but yeah, it's a bit of a kind of you know a bit of a wait and see on this. I think you know again again we're like you say we're we're not um we're not directly involved in in this but it's something that we're certainly trying to kind of <laughs> find out more about yeah. and understand how how if and how we can apply it to our work yeah absolutely yeah i think there's definitely been an argument that to 
do 10% increase on biodiversity on a urban site is asking quite a lot from a site that already is needing to do quite a lot um, without that anyway so yeah absolutely but but I suppose you know typically where we plant they're usually green deserts I mean they're, they're usually sort of mm. a, a, amenity grassland with with very low biodiversity value yeah. um so you know arguably we are we're, we're significantly increasing but but not always at the scale that's needed um for something like the the biodiversity net gain to, to be relevant Right at the start of the podcast, you've recently become CEO. You've touched upon some of your ambitions uh, for the charity over the coming years. Um, do you anticipate any challenges? And and what other ambitions have you kind of got for the charity? Yeah, so, um, well, like you say, we're, we're, um, we've planted one and a half million trees, um, but we're actually, we're in our 30th year. We're, it's our 30th anniversary um, in November. Oh, fantastic! Um, <laughs> and um, happy birthday, thank you very And, much, birthday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're we're planning to plant our two millionth tree by the end of that year. So so um, that that's you know I think for us that's going to be a really important milestone. Um, and so what I at the moment we're in a, a, a the second year of our of a th- of a three year strategy. Um, so I've started at a great time where I can you know obviously help to see the charity through that the current strategic period. Um, but we'll soon need to start thinking about the future and, and the next strategic phase. Um, and I think for me, you know, the tree numbers are, are great. They're, they always give you a really nice milestone. Um, but at the same time, for me, what's, and I think as I was mentioning at the beginning, what's the, the real area I think we can do, have the most impact um, is is around engaging the communities. Um mm. So actually, you know, breaking news. We're actually we're actually planning to uh, recruit and, and and invest into this within the team. Um, oh, fantastic! And we will we will shortly be looking for uh, a new director actually to help to lead a new community engagement strategy for us. Um, so this Brilliant. is a great opportunity to plug that actually. If anyone's yeah. looking, <laughs> fantastic! Send your CVs. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so I I am really you know this is something I just feel we can do so much more. Um, and we've actually we've got a really good track record for our community engagement and and like I said earlier you know I'm really proud of the record that we've achieved Um, but the community engagement work we've done has tended to be linked to the projects that we deliver Um, and what I'm keen to do is is start to expand out from that and, and and look more broadly at how we can really engage people into green jobs and green careers or just to lead greener lives you know they don't have to you know do it professionally but but just to live more sustainably um and be in touch with nature um so that's something yes that there'll there'll be uh (laughs) there'll be some recruitment starting in the next few uh, weeks hopefully um, to get to get that strategy underway um yeah so yeah new new chief exec new director new strategy new new <laughs> three generation lo- lots of new exciting things happening yeah very exciting do you anticipate any challenges around fundraising I mean you, you are a charity have have you struggled with that in the past there's a cost of living crisis I'm just wondering how that how you maybe anticipate that affecting you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fundraising is, is always a challenge, isn't it? It's, it's such a specialist yeah. skill. It really is. I mean, the fun- we've got a fantastic team of fundraisers and, and they do a really good job of, of getting grants in and, and securing corporate partnerships. 
Um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> again, I'm investing in, into this um, area as well, because I think we really need to just to secure our future and, and ensure that, you know, the funds continue to come in. And there are funds out there for tree planting. I mean, obviously, climate change is so high on people's minds at the moment that there is funding mm. going into tree planting. And, and that's great. But we really need to make the most of that um, and, and, and help to build you know, use that funding well and build our own future. Um, we we ha- we are seeing more individuals in uh, sort of donating to the charity, um, but I okay. wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's still a small percentage of our income. Um, yeah. It has seen some growth, but it's it's still sort of around ten percent at the moment, which is more than it has been in the past. But I, yes, I mean, with the cost of living crisis is just so extreme that I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that does shrink. Um, yeah. But I'm keen to, I think, you know, again, coming back to our 30th anniversary and our our, our milestone two millionth tree, I, I, I'd be keen to um, start to uh, work with some new major donors. Um, yeah. And we're looking at that as a potential new income stream. Um, keen to work with more influencers and 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 you know have some more patrons on board and and so I think that side of things is something that we can do more with. Um, have some ambassadors to really help us to to promote our work. Yeah, and those influence could potentially open up to an audience that isn't aware of you know the work you guys are doing. Absolutely, yet. absolutely That'd be great. Yeah, well, yeah, best of luck. The last question we always ask our guests is, what plant would you take to a desert island? Now, I can only assume it's probably going to be a tree. But... Oh, it's got to be a tree, hasn't it? Goodness. Yeah, yes. it's got to be, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be out of a job if it wasn't well... a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. This is, yeah, of all the questions, this is the one I was really scratching my head over. This is the hardest. <laughs> yeah, I think I change my answer every time I do yes, a podcast. Yes, so. today's favourite tree is. Well, I was thinking about this, and um, I think of, 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 it's a dev desert island then um I started thinking about the all the many desert islands that I've been to <laughs> not not many um so I was thinking back that I had I had this amazing uh time in Thailand with um Tony Kendall who was my my master's supervisor when I was doing horticulture masters at Reading mm. and um he 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 was the Eden Project foundation director at the time yeah. uh, which was just starting out and we went out to Thailand and and uh, did some research in the mangroves um oh, and just had the most amazing time so I think I think it would have to be a mangrove tree it's got to be it's got to be something that will grow on a desert island isn't it so I'm hoping that there's a mangrove forest that we can um explore you can go in and explore there yeah go and explore it yes and and also there's a bit of there's food there as well isn't there so my practical head-on could have some um crab supper yeah oh nice yeah (laughs) well thank you so much again that's been really interesting to to find out more and best of luck in your new role and We'll look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Thanks very much, Rachel. Thank you. I'm Rachel Forsyth, and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Horticulture Week podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Huge thank you again to Kate, and goodbye for now. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.